0: I think we can all agree that conflict is a natural part of every community life. It just is. From the smallest family units to the largest of empires, conflict inevitably sifts its way to the surface. Right When two or more people gather together for any reason at all, the thing that we can be sure of is that they will disagree about something. Now, most of the time, those disagreements are fairly innocuous. Uh, Things like the the end of the Game of Thrones finale, right? Everyone has an opinion. Even I have an opinion. And I've never watched the show, right? Obviously, the writers knew what they were doing in creating their own world. So it was the perfect and inevitable end to the series. And we can debate that later, and that'll be fine. Or, (laughs) like Susanna's insane, my wife's insane opinion, that furniture can just be moved around the house every few months to keep things interesting. I always debate about it with her because I think everything is just fine the way that they are. And so every time in that argument, Susanna just waits until I'm out of the house, and then she moves everything anyway. And then I get home and of course I love it. I love the new layout. And then she brags about being right. And I remind her that my old opinion was still true. I still thought the old way was fine. And uh, that kind of difference, at least it keeps things lively, right? That kind of difference creates this fun sort of back and forth and we can, we can laugh. It's fine, it's fine. Those are good differences. Those are sort of fun conflicts that keep us on our toes. But sometimes the differences that exist between one another can create more tension than that. Usually, those kinds of differences are less about lightly held and playful opinions and more about strongly held fundamental beliefs. In a marriage, this can look like an argument about whether or not you want to have children. If one partner wants to have kids and the other doesn't, it can cause some serious tension in the relationship or if one spouse in a partnership values time spent together and the other spouse is working day and night grinding it out in order to provide for their family that difference in love language can cause some serious tension and in community life differences can cause tension in the same sorts of ways like you know, the debate these days about abortion has taken a really unhelpful and unhealthy tone because of our fundamental differences about what it means to value life. What it means to honor freedom. And what it means to protect the vulnerable. Differences in political alignment in general causes enough tension within families and neighborhoods that Often, family members uh, neglect to visit one another on holidays, or like was the case in my neighborhood, neighbors vandalize one another's property because of political disagreement. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that difference can be really difficult to navigate. And too often, difference can just be the source of argument and division. It can even lead to alienation and dehumanization, or even fully outright exclusionary practices. But I don't think it needs to be that way. I really think that difference and even conflict can be a helpful and transforming thing in our lives. Right? When the first Christians were just starting their lives of faith, they had some significant differences. Some folks in the earliest church who grew up in religious households just wanted the new people to conform to their customs to make it easy. Those differences were creating tension. So the obvious solution seemed to be either just get them to conform to the norms or push them out of the community entirely. And then in another part of the early Christian community, there were people who were not interested in creating any additional barriers to the Christian community for newly converted followers of Christ. So 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple of years, these two competing groups within the church met together to debate their differences. Peter stood between these two groups, and Paul and Barnabas who were incredibly important figures in the earliest movement of the church, they shared their opinion after listening. They listened to the arguments made by other church leaders who were advocating that the non-religious Christian converts needed to conform to the religious norm of circumcision. And then after listening to those folks, they stood in turn to share their testimony about the ways that God was working already through these new religious converts who had not yet conformed to the cultural norm. Paul and Barnabas and even Peter pointed to the fruitfulness of the people that these wanted to exclude or conform. They pointed to the ways that God was already present for these new people. And they allowed the new The different, and the diversity that existed there to teach them about God. They didn't get hung up on their perspective being right. They didn't get hung up on trying to prove their point. They just listened. The early church listened to the testimony, the stories about the new and faithful thing that God was doing through new people. And then the religious community, the church, changed its mind. Can you even imagine? I think there's something that we could all learn from here. It was so much easier, it is so much easier for all of us to get caught up in a desire, a want to be right, than it is to put those desires down long enough to notice how God might be speaking through someone who is different. I think the earliest church understood something that we may have forgotten. I think they understood that no one has a full grasp of who God is or what God wants. Not a single person knows everything about God. Right? God is doing new things through new people in every single moment of the day. But a lot of us think that we do have a full understanding of God. And if we don't think so, a lot of us like to act as though we do. We hold versions of faith handed to us in important moments of our lives. Some of us even hold images and beliefs about God that were given to us as children, and we can't seem to put those images down long enough for God to show a new perspective. So we hold on to concrete opinions about things like the gender of God, the correct posture for our prayer life, the correct translation of Scripture, or the role of faith in politics. And then we also hold concrete opinions about gender generally and sexuality and race and poverty and mental illness and every other aspect of the world around us until, until we meet somebody who challenges those held opinions. And then we have a chance to respond. And we can do it in one of two way we can either push that difference away assuming it's bad because it's different or call them to conform to our ideas or we can learn from this new perspective that this stranger is bringing to the table i believe Meeting someone who is different from us is the only thing that can teach us a new truth about God. A new friend who challenges the stereotypes that we hold about them is the only, that friend is the only person who can awaken us to a new understanding. I'm going to confess some here today. There was a time in my life, when I was confident that everyone who moved to America without documentation were just taking advantage of of our American system. But then in high school, my senior year, I worked alongside someone who immigrated here in order to care for his family. And so while we were cleaning manure out of horse stalls together, Jose shared with me about his horrible experiences in Mexico that led him to make an impossible journey here and then shared how long and complicated the immigration process was for him and that he didn't know the rules before he got here and my my eyes opened to a new perspective it grieves me to say that i used to laugh along to jokes about women and their place in a kitchen until a friend of mine shared with me how those jokes hurt her. And my eyes were open to a new perspective. I used to think that arguments for reparations was an unhelpful focus on the past that kept us from being able to move forward. And then I met James while I was working in a restaurant who told stories of his own life about the ongoing discrimination and racism and practices that kept him from getting a certain jobs and living in certain neighborhoods, even today. And my eyes were open to a new perspective. I used to think homosexuality was weird until I met Kyle my freshman year of college, who was an active leader in our Christian community at Pfeiffer. And spoke about his boyfriend with the same level of love and devotion that I speak about my wife today. And my eyes were open to a new perspective. I could go on and on and on and on and on about the ways that I've put my foot in my mouth or I've spoken from places of ignorance. It has happened more often than I care to admit. But I can tell you this with absolute certainty. Meeting people who are different from me has transformed my life. Working alongside people who shatter stereotypes that I once held has opened my heart. Sharing meals with people who have lived lives completely different than my own has helped me to see God in new ways. People, people have deepened my faith broadened my understanding, and helped me to open up to God in ways that I never could have imagined if I had just stayed in my own comfort zone, hoping everyone would either conform to my beliefs or leave me alone. We need one another. We need one another to know God we need one another to come fully alive. We need one another to cleanse unintentional ignorance and judgments that we hold in our hearts. We need one another to create a community that truly reflects the diversity of the kingdom of God. And this is why we celebrate diversity here so much at North Decatur. Not because it feels good, <laughs> Exactly the opposite. Because it calls us out of our comfort zone to meet people on a level of depth that we never knew existed. I've been praying a lot for this congregation. In fact, this uh, past Thursday, I sat right up there in that balcony pew for an hour and a half in prayer for this congregation to live fruitfully. And I mean that in the way that Paul describes fruitfulness. That we'd all live lives open to the new things that God is doing in the world. Living lives that are open to the lives of other people so that we would be transformed in one another's presence to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be more loving, to be more joyful, to be more peaceful, to be more patient, be more kind, to be more good, and to be more faithful. Thanks be to God. Amen.